And so that means that the work never ends. The work of helping people to think differently. And you and I have talked about this. It's about how we frame our experiences, how we understand how culture is developed. So, so today we have Natalie on here and uh, I met Natalie uh, via Trevor, who is all the way in Sydney, Australia, which it just goes to show you that we, you know, it's a small world, right? Tiny. But, and, you know, like, I mean, Natalie is super powerful. Her, She has a brilliant mind and she is doing some magnificent things. And I'm just going to give Natalie an opportunity to, to share a little bit about herself. Um, nobody can tell your story better than you, Natalie. So, what's good? <laughs> You're real sweet. <laughs> a little bit about me. A little bit about me. Good gosh. Um, so, my name is Natalie LeGrand, and I live here in Washington, D.C. I'm super excited to be on your all's podcast. I mean, I really admire the work that you guys are doing. I've been working primarily in international development for the last 10 to 15 years now, um, working to basically make the world a better place. That's my goal, right? That's my focus. Oh, I've that's, been working that's a beautiful thing. Around the world, yes. Um, consider myself a global citizen. I, I lived and spent time in Ukraine. That's where I kicked off my career um, mm. in international development. And um, as you, you know, have heard, there's a war going on there now. So it's definitely close to home. Um, yeah. Uh, after Ukraine, I ended up coming back to the States and was really passionate about um, working with small uh, communities, whether entrepreneurs, whether it's um, communities around the world with respect to social impact. That's been my my goal. Um, my core values are opportunity and access. So I believe in whatever way we can do that to make it happen. Uh, I feel like the best way I do that is through partnerships with people, um, partnership with organizations, partnership with like yourself and Fit to Navigate, which is like the perfect type of organization that I would partner with, um, people who are out there trying to make a difference on the front line. Um, anything that is about, you know, essentially creating opportunity and access uh, for for disadvantaged populations or marginalized or whatever word you want to use for them. Um, but either way, where there are there's limitations and barriers, it's, my goal is to see them knocked down. That is, oh, that is my it. mission. Um, I'm also a coach as well, a leadership coach. I'm really passionate about leadership, leadership development. I think we need more leaders out here. Uh, I'm not pleased with the uh, level of leaders. I think a lot of them are burnt out and stressed out. Um, so my goal is always about increasing the quality of our leaders, making them mission-oriented, supporting their mission-oriented dreams, and helping them develop the next generation of people who are going to essentially lead our planet and lead our world and lead our communities. And so um, my goal as a coach is always about how do we empower individuals um, to empower, and those individuals being able to empower um, 
communities of their own and in whichever way possible. So uh, that's a journey because it's an ever evolving mindset, <laughs> so yeah. to speak, and uh, helping us, you know, shift our mind. Uh, and, and that's that's the primary goal of that. So, yeah. I love it. I love that you said your core values were opportunity and access, you know, and in reading on your website, you know, you said something that that I loved and it kind of reminded me of me a little bit um, where you just like my grandma said, if I if, if Natalie don't know, she, she'll she figure it out. She'll invent <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, opportunities and access like everything is that thing. Everything is figure outable, right? And and everybody should have an opportunity to have that access um, to be able to create, create something that, that figures out, you know, solves problems and makes it, makes it, makes a better world. And which is just beautiful. I mean, like going back to what you said earlier that you lived in Ukraine, it says, Nally, she speaks fluent Spanish and Russian, right? And I also love that you have a passion for health, just helping people realize their full potential. And just so many, I just feel like it's just a match here. Um, can you tell me about like how you, what your feelings are right now with, you know, like you said, there's a war going on there in, in Ukraine and you live yeah. in there. friends Thanks. that you have made and families that you know there, like, can you, you know, would yeah, you like to absolutely. Share? No, thank you for asking. First and foremost, thank you for asking. Um, what's going on is terrible. Um, I will tell you the last nine days have been absolutely awful. Um, I feel very strongly about what's happening in Ukraine. So what most people don't know is that I'm also married to a Ukrainian. Uh, okay. So it is, this is about family to me. Um, uh, the bombings, uh, I will tell you, as of two days ago, the town that I was, I spent my two years in, um, with the uh, people that I spent my two years, three years with, are 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 there? They've all been displaced. They're all now refugees. They've all had to leave their home. Um, I will say I'm glad that they're alive. But right now, that town that I was in, that I lived in, in southern, a little bit south of Ukraine, um, in Ukraine, is completely overtaken by Russians and had been. Um, and my people are living in bomb shelters. Uh, so that, that's been heavy on my heart, I will say. It's a moment by moment. Uh, literally, I'm living through a, a crisis right now. My husband's family uh, lives a little bit more west, and they're, they're alive. Um, however, it's, it's been a nightmare, a living nightmare for the last. I think that and also, you know, it's also brought to light a lot of issues uh, around discrimination and race. So there's a lot of emotions running through me, I will say, because you know, I do, like, that's my family. Like, I, I can't even imagine. I've, I've been up in tears. But it's also the other injustices that mm-hmm. we have seen come to light, mm-hmm. just like we did with the pandemic, especially with respect to people of color and mm-hmm. how they're treated. Now, I will mm-hmm. tell you, while I was in Ukraine, I was never mistreated. As a matter of fact, <laughs> quite the opposite. It was almost like there was such a sense of curiosity. I, I, if I had to say something about Ukrainians is that, you know, in my personal experience, I, racism was the last and discrimination. It was more of like amazement and 
awe and respect. I mean, I got, I mean, I got so much love. There was just so much love that mm. I can't even imagine. Like, you know, that's why I can't, I'm having a struggling with what's going on, but it's also brought into light, you know, as you, as you know, we have other wars that are going on, the way we open our borders, all the international injustices, the way people of color have been treated, even if they cross these borders. And that's also angering as well. So there's a, a lot of, a lot going on right now. There's a um, lot of emotion, I mean, especially <laughs> for, for, for one, you know, that's your family. And then to also to see, people of color being mistreated in a way and something in a way that you firsthand never experienced there. Right. So that like, wow, that, that, that had to take you back, you know, Uh, there's race. And the the thing is that there is, and it's also the priorities of what's going on and, you know, the way we prioritize European and and whiteness. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to perpetuate, some of the underlying um, double standards that we see when it comes to rescue and refugees and and uh, disasters. If you know, you know, I, I one of the things, you know, I'm my father's Haitian, so right. you know, I, I'm I've got roots in Haiti. I've got roots in Honduras. Again, people of color um, who have been discriminated. Where races, places where racism has abounded, places where wars and fights, um, you know, for freedom to have stand. So mm-hmm. I got this complexity of all of this freedom, you know, wanting to be expressed. Um, and so it brings up a lot of emotions around all of that. And, and I'm I mean, sorting that, through them. That's just right. This like, you are multicultural. I mean, I'm sorry. Honduran, I said, you are multicultural. I mean, you know, Honduran, uh, Haitian household, you know, can, can you just tell us a little bit about <laughs> Growing, growing up in that way. Yeah, my my dad is from Haiti, okay. um, and so yes, that that's I, you know my parents immigrated to New York City, both of them. My dad, um, my grandmother came over. My his mother came over when she was forty six years old with all her five children. Uh, you, I would say they were part of the brain drain of Haiti during the time my grandmother left because. They really not. I mean, she was a teacher. My grandfather was a lawyer, a mm-hmm. judge, and it's just the conditions in Haiti were so terrible at the time that you know they 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 were starving. So they came to the Canada first, and then to the U.S. My mother is from Honduras. She's actually part of the Garifuna people of Honduras, which is the Black Caribs of Honduras. And so she came in, she was a lot younger than my dad would. They met in college when my mom was 19 and, and they've been married 40 plus years. And it's an adventure because they're so different, but yet so alike. Right. Mm-hmm. And so culturally they are alike. Right. Um, mm-hmm. If you think of, but the distinct differences between them, you know, between not necessarily like, for example, maybe a way of cooking the languages, yes. they know each other's languages, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um but they both had roots in in those countries, but with the aspiration of when my brother and I were growing up, that we would grow up, yes, American, proud of our roots, but also very much with much bigger and better opportunities than they would have mm-hmm. had in their own countries. So they are very mm-hmm. grateful to the U.S. for 
a lot of what they did not have in those countries. And yeah. while they're, my dad's a very proud Haitian, my mom's a proud Honduran and et cetera, but their, their goal for my brother and I was to essentially supersede and, you know, overcome a lot of the things and barriers that they had to um, face, not just within their country, but also when they came here as immigrants. Um, oh. So, yeah. I can see again, opportunity and access. You it know, is all about really, there you really go. I guess from right. the family. It's from the family, you know, opportunities <laughs> and access. You that's know? literally, I, I, I guess that's I what love that it. together. I love it. I mean, why wouldn't that be intertwined in your core values, right? I thought about it that way, actually, that that's where I got it from. But absolutely, that's what they are about. Yeah. You know, um, speaking of the Garfuno experience, I last year got an opportunity to go to Belize for my birthday and um, the Garfuno people were there, you know, and we had that Garfuno experience and just it really, really is a beautiful thing to be tied to your roots and know where you come from. And it also just uh, it made way for me, um, my family being from the south and being part of the Great, great Migration in 65 but it just allowed me to see how knowing your roots are are so deeply important and but also just because you are rooted in one place doesn't mean you can't look for opportunities and have access to to greater um but one of the things that I absolutely loved in learning about the Garfuno people which you know I could be that too um was that they they're not religious but in the sense that if you are you're if you're not all right then we're not all right as a people right everyone has a place no matter if you are the family drunk or the this or that we all are celebrated right there's all there's a role for everyone and that again it's just that based upon it's the spirituality is if everyone is not good in the, in the ecosystem, then we're all not good, which, you know, that could be ripple effect out to mostly everything in, in society. Right. And it's, it goes to also show why your heart is so passionate about helping people. Right. You see someone that needs help, then that's what you do. You provide that because you know that if they're not good, then you're not good, man. That's, it's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. I'm so and then glad the, you got yeah. to experience the Garina group people at Belly. Did you dance Funka? Yes. What? Yes. We did drumming. We did drumming. Uh, you know, we had all type of cassava meals. Um, so <laughs> we had from, from cassava appetizers to mm. the main course to cassava dessert. I mean, we it was uh, it was hot, but it was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, hard. and then just Glad. you know, you know, to have your cultural background and then t- totally you know like fall in love with someone the opposite side of the earth, right? Um, again, it just goes to show how beautiful and small the world is, and how we can bring our culture to different cultures and you yeah. know, and experience it. Um, I know one of the things that I also read about you was, um, which I think a lot of kids experience, especially um, in my age group, but it wasn't really, really known, but just like navigating and having ADHD in school and then 
turning that around from a weakness to to the superpower that you now have owning your own organization, helping people in disenfranchised communities. Like you didn't let that get you down. You didn't let that stop you um, for from the opportunities and the access that your parents, you know, left their countries to provide from you. You didn't let something like that, you know, stop you. about just like overcoming that as yeah you know i didn't know it to be you know when we when we talk about adhd right and i think it's the way we frame it right as it's a negative Mm -hmm. um because we and it took me a long time to realize that it, it, it actually led me into the life that i have right now so having the various interests the multicultural, I'm able to hold a lot more what you know complexity in my mind. That's all it is. It's not a lack of attention as much as I felt like it's more of like I've got a lot more interest. Mm, <laughs> um, I like that. I, it is. It's just a lot more interest. It, the, the hardest part was recognizing that, you know, and continuing to believe that, like you know, it doesn't. That there's more than one way to succeed in this world, right? Mm, like, don't let the yeah. grades define you, you know, mm. the structure of being able, like, you're learning. I love learning. I love learning. I just can't do it the traditional way. No way. Mm-hmm. And I figured that out. Unfortunately, I figured that out a lot later than I wish I'd, I I had. And it was when I went to Ukraine because it should have been, it should have been impossible for me to learn Russian. It really should have with my ADHD. And I was so self-conscious about one, I, I wear two hearing aids. So just even hearing English and forget trying to navigate another language, mm-hmm. but with the right people, mm-hmm. the right support and exclude all the extra noise, you can do anything. You it. can do anything. You can learn anything. And if you have the right incentive to learn anything, there's some things we just don't have incentive to learn, you know, right. because right. they might not be survival needs. I'm sorry, but I'm not right. going to study the chemistry and make sure I memorize it until I can figure that out. No, but then it comes to like learning another language so that I can connect with people in another country. For whatever reason, I'm very highly motivated and somehow right. I'm able to do it really well. Um, no. Again, with the right support, the right systems in place, and you realize that there's nothing wrong with you. You know, right. um, you realize your strengths. You know what they call weaknesses are really just because not a lot of people have those strengths. Right. You know, they don't have the ability to hold multiple things at the same time. Right? right. You know, we're very. Some people are very obedient, and they sit still, and they can do that, and that's great. But some of us are not. <laughs> You know, and not one of those either. It's just not like you know, and it's and it's not a bad thing. It's 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 um the judgment is what's hard. The hardest part is the judgment, and the judgment that's the one that I I think I still even work on to this very day is the letting go of the judgment for myself. Mm. Um, you know, because culture unfortunately perpetuates a standard that I think is highly. Um, biased and unfair. Um, and when I say culture, and that can be various things in a way that like, you know, 
the way the education system is designed and, and the way the, the average is calculated. Um, but again, with the right people yeah. and the right incentives and the right motivation and also the right mindset, you discover that, you know, what you think sometimes is a weakness, it's, it's really, you know, just there's there's strength to it. And the strength yeah. is a lot of people, a strength that sometimes, oftentimes, a lot of people don't have as a result. Right. But if you let go of that judgment of yourself first and foremost, and that's an ongoing process in a world that is linear, mm-hmm. <laughs> like think that everything mm-hmm. is linear, right? When things are, yeah. in my personal opinion, they're like circular and they're this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think people are starting to realize that a little bit more and more. Um especially when we think about neurotypical, uh, you know, and nor- what I guess they're calling neurotypical, you know, we start thinking about more diversity, equity, inclusion, and we're starting to see that right. people with autism, people whatever, like, you know, those t- mindsets, they just think and process things differently. They're not any lesser because of yeah. it. Yeah. So your background, you know, started out like with this, with financial, financial career and, you know, um, and then you changed it. You navigated over to, you know, more of social impact um, and to a point where you started a business. Like, how did you transition from, you know, financial mind, <laughs> you know, the numbers and bottom lines to saying, I want to make sure <laughs> that I, <laughs> you know. I, I, I'm going to throw that to the, not all the way. I mean, obviously you still got to use those skills, that skill set when making social impact, because there's always bottom lines and numbers. How did you just say, Hey, I'm going to leave that alone and full go full, go into this, this world. I don't think I ever left it alone, to be honest. Roger. Like I just, okay. um, I built, I considered I've just built upon things and one thing after yeah. another, after another. I just didn't maybe build upon it in a way that makes sense to most people, but it's still built upon. Um, okay. I use, so when I, I entered into the financial world, yes, I started off as a financial analyst. I worked for a corporate uh, company for several years. And then I decided that, and believe it or not, the story is like, <laughs> I wanted to leave my corporate job. I was working okay. in corporate America. I worked for a very large corporate company. I worked in finance. I did financial analysis, blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to leave because I'm like, I want to use this to do something better. Okay. And I remember I wanted to, I didn't really want to leave finance per se because I was already in there, but I just wanted to go and just do something else with it that would actually impact. I felt like the skills that I had developed, the acumen that I had could mm-hmm. probably utilize somewhere. And I remember being at a crossroad. It took me two years, but mm-hmm. when I got two offers, one was going to lead me to Ukraine and the other one okay. was going to lead me to the American Red Cross with a job offer here in DC. Okay. And I was like, and it was going to be a finance job at there, mm-hmm. but it was both going to lead to something, obviously working for a company that, you know, working for an organization that would have social impact. Okay. I just chose the one that looked, like it was less traveled instead of the one, <laughs> you know, the one that would require me to also transform, not just utilize my skills, but me to transform. Right. And so that's how I ended up just going over to Ukraine for three years. And, and my, 
it wasn't so much my finance background that helped me there, but it was my business understanding. Um, okay. At that point, I had developed a little bit of understanding around business, you know, more than a little, you know, given that I was working in finance. But even then, it's not like it translated directly, right? It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, the way. And that's so, why I like to call you the translator. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can, but yeah, yeah, it's, you find that the numbers are numbers everywhere. But okay. um, what I, I ended up doing was looking at things from a bigger perspective. Okay. Numbers help you make a part of your decisions, not all of your decisions. Okay. And so I mm. was able to build again, like build upon my knowledge of the business world, et cetera, you know, how things operate, you know, strategy, little things like that. Um, it was a different little. beast though, because it was working for a nonprofit and, you're, and like, it was like, yeah, I don't have a 5013C. Okay. So that's not how it works here. So what was, how does it work here? Right. So you Got learn it. to. You know, you learn to see like, oh, this is how this works in America, but this is how this works. And you, and you kind of find either the synergies or you just be like, you switch the way you think and you learn how yeah. to switch that. So, so and- is that how you are able to, you know, for example, take large organizations, okay, we'll say like JP Morgan Chase or in a social enterprise like Fit to Navigate. Is that how you are able to create that alignment and, you know, to help these companies companies do that like by building upon your background but also your business acumen like yes both it's a little bit of both um so i'm able to so when i i usually with with the bigger companies that i work with now i yeah i partner them with people who have that type of background right kind of like me they come you know the jp morgan chases the sap's the they have people who work in certain parts of businesses I'm aware of okay. that because I used to work in an environment like that, so to speak. Okay. And then I look at social impact organizations. They're more, well, they have lesser resources and they're not structured the exact same way, but they're, so yeah, I find that when I'm matching, it's like, okay, what you, you know, what a social impact organization usually needs is everything, but they're not going to have a person who specializes in something. So like I specialize, for example, in finance. So, okay. If that social impact organization needs that type of speciality, then yeah. But usually the whole acumen that's available in the private sector um, or even in, um, you know, within corporate organizations um, are the same thing and same needs as the social impact organizations. The difference mm-hmm. is that social impact organizations have a little bit more complexities because they deal with other stakeholders like government. Um, mm-hmm. They deal with other, you know, complexities like grants. There's there's other nuances that, mm-hmm. you know, are very related to the type of work of that social impact. So it's a learning that has to come happen, just kind of like my learning happened. There's a learning that happened, an exchange that happened that says, oh, let me understand how you do things in that world. And let me, you know, translate to this world, how this world translates to that world. And usually everybody gets translated somehow. And there you go. The translator. (laughs) Speaking the languages. Yeah, they end up speaking each other's languages. And that's the goal. Like what you hear? That's Renee Dion with Tempo. Find her music at ReneeDion.com.
Yeah, yeah. So, Natalie, like, what keeps you up at night? I mean, I, I know right now everything that's going on with your family. And um, we will take a moment of pause at the end to um, think about those in Ukraine that are suffering and also those in Russia who are suffering who don't even want the war themselves. Um, what are some other things that keep you up at night? Interesting. Like, what is it that keeps me up at night? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's knowing that it's it's never ending. Mm-hmm. I think that's what keeps me up at night. Um, is feeling like, you know, some of the issues that we are confronted with today mm-hmm. um, is not so much a problem that we can solve, but a tension that we have to manage. And what I mean by that is, and that makes me mad because I like to solve problems. Like, can we just solve it? It's done, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to solve incarceration. I mean, like the things that we want to solve, the issue that organizations like Victor Nugget Nugget want to solve. But you mm-hmm. it's knowing that it's a tension that we have to manage in a in a in a system that is quite frankly continuously um you know a, a continuously seeping through our minds and trying to create confusion where there shouldn't be about who we are and mm. what we're able to achieve. And so when I say that, it's like, I'm tired. I, I don't get tired, but it's, it's knowing that the mindset shift that needs to take place, some of it's going to just have to die out. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's just going to have to die out. And so that means that the work never ends. The work of, yeah helping people to think differently. And you and I have Mm -hmm. talked about this. It's about how we frame our experiences, how we understand how culture is developed, Mm. how culture is sometimes created as a result of some of the injustices that we have, and then having to navigate that culture. And I love Mm -hmm. the right, it's fit to navigate because a lot of times what people say is, Oh, I want to manage ambiguity. I want to do manage this. I'm like we ain't managing nothing. What we're doing is navigating a lot of things, and yeah. that takes a special that take that takes development. That takes evolution. Mm-hmm. That takes work that is on a whole other level that most people aren't unfortunately willing to do. Um, right. But then you do find those who are motivated, and you mm-hmm. hold on to it with their life because. Mm-hmm those are the ones that are going to make a difference. And so when I think about what keeps me up at night is knowing that it's, it's, it's a tension. It's a tension that I, we are going to constantly live with. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we try to manage those tensions around how to navigate, you know, this complexity of cultures and people and translating, interpreting, and, and really utilizing people's lived experiences to help them make and I say this in quotes, better choices, Mm. Um, better choices around our health, better choices around what our priorities are, better choices around 
who we talk to, all of those things right. become such a challenge um, of attention. And especially when there's so many, I say competing problems, but problems that are just mm-hmm. feeding off of each other. Like Absolutely. I said, you know, the, you know, like the Ukrainian crisis and the racism that it, you know, that has come mm-hmm. to the surface around and, and the biases and, and the double standard. And when we're talking mm-hmm. oligarchs in Russia, can't we really say that we have the same thing in, you know, the U.S. And, you know, it, it's kind yeah. of one of those things. And those are the tensions I have to manage um, in my heart and in my head in order to continuously mm-hmm. be the humanitarian that I desire to ultimately live. Up, but by the time you get up, though, you're ready to take it on, though, Natalie. <laughs> you're ready to take it on. And, you know, also I love that, you know, you are definitely into fitness. And, um, you know, you want to talk about how it's impacted your life and what you do to navigate your well-being? Believe it or not, fitness is how I navigate my well-being. Awesome. It's funny because as a coach, you know, a leadership coach, everything, you know, one of my you know friends of mine have asked me, why don't you just fitness coaching? I was like, nope, that's mine. That is mine. It's not for sale. It's not to give away. Leave me alone. Um, honestly... Yeah. Fitness and health is um, is where it all starts for me. Fitness mm. for me is how I stay grounded. Um, it's how I change my own mind. I actually work with a coach. I don't necessarily work with a trainer. And when mm. I go into the gym, it's about it's about a, it's a mindset work for me that goes through my body. Mm. Fitness has been a part of my life for a very long time, and it's what I return to a lot. Whenever my life feels like it gets out of whack, I get back. When I say return to, it's like when I feel like things are out of control, like mm-hmm. if I need to find solid ground and routine, it usually mm-hmm. comes in the form of some sort of like exercise um, movement regimen that I end up putting myself on. And it's really important for me because connecting my mind and my body um, is, is, is extremely, extremely uh, a way that I learned. That's how I learned. I'm very experiential. So if I can't find ways to move and actually mm-hmm. use movement as learning, um, I love mm-hmm. weight training. That's my preferred way to navigate. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, I, I keep track. You should see my record. I, the one thing I, you think I'm like 88 days. That's the one mm-hmm. thing I have discipline. Like I know how much weight I know. I mean, I'm a little bit of a nerd <laughs> around fitness. It's ridiculous. Okay. okay. Uh, but I've also had it. no choice in many okay. ways because as, as you and I have talked about, I have sickle cell disease. Okay. And I believe that just because I have this disease does not mean that it it's going to dictate the level of health that I have. So mm. I know that my biggest superpower is my health. I've it. learned early on to, to value it. I've learned early on to prioritize it. I know that having sickle cell has made some inherent limitations and I have struggled with a lot of the const- a lot of the things that people with living with sickle cell disease I also know that it's highly uh, discriminated against etc mm-hmm. there's a lot going on around the disease itself but mm-hmm. it does not define me it does mm-hmm. not um, it's part of my identity in terms of literally built into my DNA so when I mm-hmm. You know, fitness allows me to have that circulation, that mm-hmm. that movement, knowing to know my body. And it's really empowering. It's, it's really, truly at the core of what I consider next to my faith in God. You know, it's, it is my fitness. 
It is my health. It is my wellness. Um, it's knowing I have a chronic disease. And so I have to monitor it like crazy. It's, I don't get a day off. I don't right. get a day off from monitoring my sickle cell. It's your disease. life. It's, your life. it's literally my life. Like it's my health. It's, like, no, there's nothing. You get nothing out of me if that's not in check. Yeah. Nothing. That's, that's, um, that's dope because, you know, um, going back to the ADHD, it just goes to show you that you're like a kinesthetic learner. And I, yep. I like to say the same thing, kinesthetic, experiential, like there, there is no just a thinking for me. Like I need to think and apply and do, and, but I also need to move things through my body. So my thoughts don't get all cluttered yes. up and, you know, <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, that's like a, it's like a filtering for me, right? Yes. <laughs> That's how you do it. It's a, it's a filtering for me. So it's not like anal, you know, analysis, paralysis, or anything like that. It just allows these things that don't, don't serve me to come up and go out, right? So I love that. I love that you, you know, didn't clint you have this thing but it's not you right it's like you know that you are ultimately a whole and healed and it's just something again you just have to navigate it's a stimulus there but it's about how you respond i also like how you said that you know we all get a chance to choose better and 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 we all have that power of choice even when we are navigating healthcare disparities, racism, all those things, it's like, it's there, but how do you navigate it? Right. So I, I, I love that, you know, health is the core of your being and you wouldn't be able to share all of your wealth, not just, I'm talking about funds. I'm talking about your wealth, your brain trust, your, your, your sweat and skill set. you know, all of that would not be able to be shared if you weren't well and taking care of yourself. So no. we thank you for putting that in the forefront. And um, again, it just goes back to say that once we start taking care of ourselves on the inside, then we can be better for those on the outside. Yeah, and um, it gets challenging sometimes because most of us come from, you know, a culture where you take care of everybody else first, mm -hmm. right? Right. You make sure everybody else is good. But I think that we're getting to the place in this new world order of, you know, letting old mind, old thinking die out is that you do have to put your mask on first before you can put it on your passenger friend. Right. Um, otherwise we're just burning at the fumes. Um, I, man, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yes. I would like to ask you, you know, in all that you're doing and all the, your history of your good, your your past and your future, what would you want your legacy to be? What would you want your legacy to be? Natalie... did this or Natalie oh left this or made me feel like how would how would you want to be remembered as your what would your legacy be a great question um my brother and I I have a, a thing a hashtag that I just use within our family 
Mm-hmm. And it's called hashtag Legrand Legacy. And mm-hmm. Legrand literally translates to the great or the big. I know. Right. And I'm like, I don't know what our legacy is going to be yet, but we're going to be a big legacy. And I, and that's been always my dream. <laughs> okay. You know, I have a lot of, one of the things I do have is a lot of visions um, regarding, uh, and one that I, I, it's one of those things if I had to leave, I'm gonna, you know, leave anything behind is a legacy of literally exactly what my core values of, 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 of an opportunity and an access. Mm. And when I think about that in the very literal terms, I think of people who are, who do have, who are living with sickle cell disease in particular, um, and who suffer unnecessarily. So in my personal opinion, because of health disparities, health inequities. And, you know, I, I always dreamed that there would be a center, you know, that would have the, the adequate research and the care and all the comforts needed mm. to transform the minds of those living with a disease that can really um, challenge your mindset in terms of you know, what you think you're capable of doing. Um, And, you know, it wouldn't stop with sickle cell disease, but it would be the place to start for me, at least, I'll be honest, just because it's unfortunately right now the last place anybody else was probably start. So Mm. if I had to Legrand legacy. (laughs) Legrand legacy, that would be, that would be the Legrand legacy because I find that, uh, no, you don't have to look, one of the things about having this disease is that you, like you said, you know, people don't realize how much choice and power they really have. Mm. And I've realized that, like, because you have to navigate something this complex, <laughs> right? You yeah. actually do have choice and powers. And yeah. you almost learn lessons that some people wait too late to learn, you know, mm. if you're able to surrender to that way of natural way of living, you don't have to suffer. Right. Um and so I would love for that to be the legacy of, you know, reduced and, and eliminating suffering around something and, 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 and pouring into the cure and, 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 and the healing, like you said, it's healing. Because we can mm-hmm. find a cure, but that doesn't mean we're healed, right? Right. It's the healing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be... It's the healing from the inside, you know? And that's exactly that. That that oh man this has been great this has been great so you know i also learned that you have a podcast yes and so if you could share your podcast and where people can find you and follow you about all the amazing things you you do that would be wonderful (laughs) well we we can start with the website natalielegrand.com um that's where you can find find me now a little bit about me and and three services that I offer right now um, in my own small business. And then also my podcast, Conscious Evolution. Conscious Evolution is literally about, we have two seasons out right now. Um, This summer, we're going to go into our third season and it would be better than ever. Conscious Evolution is really about that. It's about changing our way of thinking, um, challenging the way we think about the world, the way we see things in the world, um, and, and tools, hopefully, that would allow us to essentially, you know, learn to navigate our situations a little differently. Because if we can't change them, then, you know what, the best next best thing is to navigate them. 
And um, sometimes the only way out is through. So we talk a lot about that on a conceptual mm. way, in a theoretical way, and, and, and more practical ways that we can actually start consciously evolving. Because I think that that's the way we, the way of the future, the way of, um, the way of leadership is the, the way to get through some of these worst times that we're going is to really consciously recognize that um, we're going to have to adapt and we're going to have to evolve and uh, it's going to have to grow. You know, wow. there's no change for the sake of change anymore. This is right. growing. This is our growing. time to grow. And with that comes healing. So you can find that on natalielegrand.com. Season three should be out um, sometime this summer. Well, i like to thank you, Natalie Legrand. We honor you. We appreciate you. And um, we look forward to having you back, too, as well. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, guys. Yay! Thank you. Thank you, Natalie Legrand, for being on our podcast, The Mind Body Gym. Learn more about her global view and vision for social impact on her website at www.natalielegrand.com. Two-thirds of the prison population in the state of Ohio and in 35 states in the United States end up back in the prison population within three years, a phenomenon known as recidivism. Fit to Navigate combats recidivism through wellness programming that has resulted in 0% recidivism. Learn more at fittonavigate.com.